six-pack double feature. Ah, sixer. Two friends, two movies, and too much to drink. What are you looking at? I'm Travis. And I'm Nathan. Hey, there you guys are. Like it or not, in the late 80s, Timothy Dalton made two James Bond movies. And now, we're going to hear Nathan and Travis talk about them. It's The Living Daylights and License to Kill. Join our agents. Nathan. Sweet trans. Six-pack double feature. You can put six packs of soda in here. <laughs> I love it. It sounds like a fun Sunday afternoon intro to like a network TV movie, but it's just... It's not. Weird. <laughs> it's now. 70s credits to this weird fucking horror movie ripoff. No, it's not. It's the intro song to it's our... expectable po- feature. Yeah, to our podcast. <laughs> to our now. popular... I thought you were going to say popular podcast. It our, is popular. Our friendly podcast. Among our, among our friends and family. Single digits of people. <laughs> <laughs> the tens of followers. <laughs> What is the name of our podcast? Uh, welcome in to Six Pack Double Feature. He's Bill. And he's Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to fuck, how did we never figure that out? Uh, I don't know, it just, 15 years. It's called alcohol. We've just did, erased our brain cells that uh, yeah, we're storing that memory. It's so fun. No, first serious. I'm not Nathan. And I am not Travis. And last week was not a uh, complete cluster train wreck toward the end apologize for all the jump cuts there gang not sure what happened there but you know shit happens shit happens <laughs> um <laughs> if you would like to have better sound quality uh and editing quality for the episodes make uh, donations <laughs> patreon.com slash now we don't have a patreon we don't we're do. not asking money from our listeners but we well, just want you to listen to it if, not to give us money if you do want to send us money just buy uh, a T-shirt or a sticker. Slide into those DMs, and I'll give you my address. <laughs> but just the tip. And my Venmo. <laughs> <laughs> so I hope you guys enjoyed our Beverly Hills Cop 48 Hours episode last week. Sorry, And for the, two weeks prior, when we first started it. <laughs> well, for you and me, Russ, that was just last week. Oh. Uh, well, actually, for you and me, Russ, it was two weeks ago. For them, it was last Jeez. week. Jeez. And if it, the, if the ending seemed choppy... I have a 50- We're sorry. I have a $50 computer. Dude, uh, got a Dell. Dude. Dud, you got a Dell. You got a Dell. <laughs> dud, you got a dud. This week is... That's how the second one sounds. <laughs> we started good, we ended bad. Kind of like we how started, this episode will... We started C-plus, ended... Well, I'm sorry. This week, we're going to start C-plus. We're going to end. F-minus? You know, I got an D-plus? I got an F-minus once on a report card. I thought I it was always just F. I completely just went... I had, like, my final report for this computer science class or whatever in high school. For my, It was my last... You got an F-minus. Did you turn it into an F-plus just to try to... <laughs> no, it was my last uh, grading period as a senior in high school. And I was done. And I'd already passed the class. I'd, I'd passed enough of the semesters to pass. So the final uh, project was to do like um, – we had to write like a syllabus mm-hmm. on some learning course. And we drew the names of the different departments out of a hat. And I drew the agricultural department. Now, to see and or know me in high school, I wasn't anywhere close to being in orbit of the ag department. So I just – You went, are now. 
much more closer closer than now than yes then yes but i went full like sarcastic just take the piss out of the department and wrote an asshole comedy piece about it and i thought it was funny I thought it was hilarious. Apparently, your teacher did not. But my, no, I think she thought it was hilarious too because my grade, while an F, was an F minus on my <laughs> report card that I picked up the following September when I picked up my yearbook. So I was like, "Touche, Mrs. Fine." <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, why don't we get to a trailer? James Bond is back. Wherever he goes, adventure follows. From Afghanistan. Tangiers to Gibraltar. He lives on the edge. The Living Daylights, rated PG, starts Friday, July 31st at a theater near you. That's not the order that he went in. It does not. And it doesn't seem like he's living on the edge. It seems like he's living on the edge of an anxiety attack in this movie. Like he's had just a little too much. Well, he was holding onto the truck. Yeah. Yes. The first movie is The Living Daylights. <laughs> Did you lose some faith in this movie when you rewatched it again? Or you still always saw it as a C plus? Uh it's always gonna be a C plus for me. <sighs> for me it's like a B minus. So we're not far off. A B B minus. I it's in my top ten. I will give it I'll give it top ten bonds. Because I think because there's only like 26 of them right now. If you're listening to this, 20 years in the future, there's probably 36. Overall, 30. overall, I think Dalton was treated way unfairly. Yeah, but way unfairly, Jerry. Um, <laughs> I think he got. I think he got the shaft. His his two movies weren't. This one is this one is serviceable. This one is serviceable. The next one is, n- yeah, we'll get there. Because I, re- <laughs> <laughs> I remember the hullabaloo of when they changed bonds. Yeah, because Roger Moore had been in he'd been he'd there for twelve years. He was 12 longer or thirteen. Than, he years. was longer than Connery. He was longer than anyone else. By a and he did seven actual feature films with Eon Productions. No one else has done that many, and no one probably ever will. And he probably should have stopped at five. <laughs> because by the time I watched View to a Kill, which who knows if we'll ever talk about it, I don't know. I don't know if we'll do Bond again. Who knows? And if we do, it'll be a couple of seasons before we're like, well, let's talk about a couple of Bond movies. But regardless, the last Bond movie I watched was the last Bond movie that Roger Moore was in was View to a Kill. And he was, I think, 59. I don't know. He, he looked like he was 65. And, that's a and he was real- very close to the same age as my my grandfather and that was the weird thing <laughs> is to realize when doing the math like kids kids did you realize grandpa jerry was a spy yeah for th- for 12 years <laughs> you have several cousins in other cities and states and countries that you don't even know, know about, about. <laughs> the list is long i first saw this i've seen this probably three times maybe four okay and i know i brought it over a few years ago when i took notes and was doing my blog so yeah it's what else that was like five movie? years ago it was six years ago uh, well, either way um it was this and i think i brought over um you only live twice maybe maybe it was two bond movies i'm pretty sure um i saw this the first time i saw it uh the way i prefer to watch bond movies as a kid on the couch with my dad on a sunday night okay um would have been somewhere around probably 1990. 
Okay. I, I, that would well, make sense. Well, actually, it probably would have been around 89 when License to Kill came out. They would have had the rights to throw this one up. Up on a TV. If not, it was yeah. rented, I'm sure. So either way, yeah. I saw this in the theater. I'm I, I'm almost certain this is the first Bond movie I saw in the theater. I'm pretty sure I didn't see any Bond movies in the theater before this. This cold open on this is fucking great. It's top five It's for me. It's, I agree with it's that. It's easily it's, top five. It's so like... It's cut pretty sharply. I mean, it's a little... It's seven minutes. It's like a little, a little over seven minutes. It's a little dated looking. Yeah. But... And when I say dated, you go, well, fuck, it's Bond. It goes back to 1962. But those seem classic. This just seems like a little bit 80s, but it's... For the most part, it seems sharp. pretty ageless. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's really, really, it's the uniforms of the guys with the berets is what does it for me. Uh-huh. And his hair. Bond's and then the hair. giant pink paintball... That, is it paint or is it powder? It looks like powder. It did look like powder, but it kind of covered like paint. But um, <laughs> I never – what did I put down here? Um, I never truly understood, though, the absurdity of M having a fucking desk anywhere and everywhere during the series, though. <laughs> I, I this, love that. That that was the last time he had a desk in a weird it's a location. stupid area. Yes. Yeah. There was in the back several, of like a Hercules airplane or whatever. Pierce Brosnan gets a lot of credit for bringing Bond into the 21st century, but Timothy fucking Dalton did it. Yeah. First, a lot of the dumb shit that Bond. Picture Bond is like a big ball of gum or a ball of putty, right? Rolling down a hill, and all the hair and dirt and shit it picks up, right? I love Roger Moore, but a lot of that goofy shit. Oh yeah, came with him, and but he was the only Bond that could pull it off. Absolutely, absolutely, and that's why they fucking killed it with with this. Yeah, with Dalton, um, he was sort of like the new boss that comes in and is like, all right, what the hell's been going on around here? Okay, no, 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 not no. Not I'm not going to fuck her. I'm you not going to make I'm not jokes. Doing this. I'm not doing this. Yep. I'm not doing this. We are streamlining the process here at fuck the you, Bond. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. You're cool and fuck you. Yeah. Um, do you think 004 pooped his pants on his way down after he, was, after he got shot? <laughs> was it before or after he got hit with a paintball or a real gun? Yeah. Uh, I, the first thing I wrote down when I started watching this is going, oh, a rake acting as an antenna, milk bottle grenades, strangulation by headphones. Now this is a James Bond movie. <laughs> they tried to bring a little of... Uh, from Russia with love back. Yeah, with, he was kind of like Grant. Nick yeah. Rose was kind of like Grant. The blonde hair slicked back. What? He was a dancer, and you know what else he's been in? Uh, Swan Lake. Uh, no, he was in Die Hard. He's the first kill that uh, McLean makes. He's the one that gets. Dr- he's the one wearing the sweats. His name is Tony. He's wearing the sweats. They put ho 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 on oh, him. He, no. Yeah, that. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's his two movies claim to fame is this Bond movie and and then what he died or and, what? Oh, Bond and this and who knows what else he's done. But they pretty much chose him because of his physique, not his acting. Because I'm pretty sure that half of his dialogue was dubbed. Depending, I don't if he even had like a direct, he didn't talk much, but when he had direct speaking scenes, I'm almost certain this movie they removed his Austrian accent. Almost everything Bond about this movie is dialed back to like seventy percent. Yeah, including the baddie, because you have to like. It took me like, why does he have such a cool name? He doesn't really do anything. I mean, he kills some people. He throws milk bombs. He's pretty but- hardcore, but <sighs> don't drink the milk. He is the ri- milk is bombs. I, I'll tell you. <laughs> 
He really loves the Pretenders, though. And that one song. <laughs> that one that, fucking song, yeah. I think I have that written down. God. <laughs> Holy crap. Mm, would you like some milk for your tea, Mr. Bond? <laughs> oh, yes, I believe I would. <laughs> Don't drink the milk, cue. The milk is... The milk is bombs! Why well, I made him so incredulous. That's not what Timothy Dalton <laughs> sounds like at all. <laughs> the milk is bombs, 007? Do, do you find it odd that the... Uh, that the key to Yorgi's freedom is a big old pair of uh, titties. Like, for him to shoot through that tube of um, natural gas tube. The oh, only, the, oh the board big, will light up like Christmas tree. The big, have to, yeah. the big Russian woman has yeah. to go in there and, like, what did, I know, I know you? I know you know what she says after she lets dude grope her around a little bit. I'm not sure what he says because it's just in Russian, Russian or whatever. Or Georgian or whatever. Or, yeah. I feel like she says I'm not that kind of girl. I think you're right. I think that's what she says. I have nothing to base I'm it almost on. certain that the original cut may have actually had the subtitles in it, but for some reason... my that's way funnier without. Yes, it's I'm way not that kind without. of girl. Oh, other than you trying to suffocate me with your big breastises? Your great big gulags? <laughs> <laughs> what doesn't work? Mm. Oh, God. <laughs> no, I have three things. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's not a long list. Okay. There's more in the other one, I think. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm... Yep. Uh, let's see here. What doesn't work? James Bond pretty much aided in the creation and support of Al-Qaeda. <laughs> but since Russians they, in Afghanistan! But since they were fighting against the Soviets at the time, I'll make, them, I'll make an exception. Because <laughs> that's what you said the first time, and I'm like, oh, I never really thought about it like that. He did kind of help create al-qaeda yeah he let he let bin laden out of the dull jail cell yeah um the the film suffers from too many villains no one feels truly in charge and no one and and they kind of all know it and because of it it makes the film feel a little stupid like no one comes a little chaotic yeah 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 the only guy that seems like he has more to do and more in charge is because i think he's got the money and that's um Joe Don Baker, you know he's the dumbest Whitaker. Yeah, and then the final sequence between Bond and Brad Whitaker and his toy in his toy room, um, it felt like it belonged in a Roger Moore movie. Wasn't this part? This, of this this is a this is an amalgamation of several stories, right? Written for yeah, the only actual Bond story that was written by Ian Fleming is the not the opening. But the scene where Bond's the sniper and he shoots the other sniper, that's the... Which is... You know, uh, I scared the living daylights out of her, you know? Hey, that's the name of the show. But it actually works, kind of. But it but just he, doesn't they, work as a Bond title. They but play it, just, it a little winky, because like, yeah. I think he must have scared the living daylights, daylights out of her. <laughs> but that story in itself is a very... It's a short story written by Fleming. Okay. And that's the only true adaptation I think everything else is. Have you read all the Bond books? Once, <laughs> you've read one of them, or you've I've read no, them all I've read once? them all once. Are they quick reads? Are they good reads? They're okay reads. They're okay. quick. They're quick reads, and they're all right. And some of them are horribly racist. Do they say racist things, or do they? Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. And it's fifties, and sure. Just think, living. Uh, what was it? Um, what was Roger Moore's first one? Live and Let Die. Live and Let Die. That book is really difficult to swallow when you're reading it because you're trying to read it and not eat it. But you know what I mean. Sure. It's yeah. It's it's not good. Um, 
it's and there's a few others that are kind of duds. The Spy Who Loved Me, good movie, not great book. What doesn't work for me is that his tone, Bond's tone, is so much more serious. And I know it's it's apples and oranges, but Bond carries that kind of a little bit of a devil may care lightheartedness. Right. It's just like I said earlier. It's just toned down like thirty percent. So he just comes in sort of unexpectedly. Why so serious, Mister Bond? You know, it's not that it doesn't work, but it's it, it's a you're driving fifty five miles an hour, and all of a sudden you downshift to thirty. Yeah, that's kind of what doesn't work for me. Um, and and like you said, there's no. Well, it's no. It's just all that it's it's just that it's it's just it's it's downshifted because Whitaker is a, he's a stupid stupid villain. Yeah, he can't make it in West Point. He's just I got money and I love war and battles and I'm going to sit here and play with my toys at the end of the movie. I love war. <laughs> <laughs> it's just him in Being some ways, taken out by a giant bust of the Duke of Wellington. Yeah. Yeah, it just doesn't... In I don't buy it. In some ways, this movie was ahead of its time because... And in some ways, it felt like they were still writing for Roger Moore, even though correct. they had Dalton. Because this feels exactly what you just said. It yeah. feels like it's 50% written for Roger Moore and 50% written for Daniel Craig. The darkness, the tonal kind of shift well that was that was the but big try to thing make it more realistic that, that was the big thing with dalton is dalton wanted to make him much more human and not make him superhuman and the big suave yeah kind of and it Roger mission accomplished Moore. i yeah. think dalton is a great bond yeah he's a great bond he's, he's just got he's a different bond he's just got his average of movies of only being two and being held up in courts with a lot of legal issues after 89 yeah yeah did him a lot of disservice. I think he had a contract for three, and you couldn't even get a law of averages of three for him. You couldn't even go three and go, all right, which one's his best? Because this you one's, don't his, get the, you this don't one's get the his best. This one's his best, but you only have two to I base it off of. You know, something else that doesn't work about this movie is the fact is people remember it sucking, and that's wrong. and they and they don't and then it is wrong, and they don't go back and revisit it and go, well, you know what? It's not. It doesn't suck. It's different, and that's not the movie's fault. The, I mean, the movie's different, and that's, you know... I mean, and it did well in the theater, you know? I know it did surprisingly well compared to his next venture. I know that much. My... And this is just a little more on a personal note, but what doesn't... Something that doesn't work for me is that Bond villains work better for me when they're sexually ambiguous Europeans with, like, a hell-bent to take over the world in some asinine plot. Not a... Big fat... A henchman that reports to two different people. (laughs) A defector that you're not sure if he's actually still working for the KGB or not. And a failed American militarist. Because you have three villains. It's too much. Yeah. It's 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 Batman Returns. Um I, I wanna play something for you and I wanna I wanna get your input. Okay.
you. Come see about me. <laughs> Who is that? Aha. Oh, okay. They're pretty much one hit wonder of Take On Me. See, to me, it sounded like Tears for Fears. Not no. Tears for Fears, but uh, Simple Minds that did yeah. Beverly, uh, Beverly Hills Cop. There's Breakfast Club. Swedish. It's a great song. I was curious what your take on the song was, especially it's two years from probably my f- absolute favorite Bond song, which is A View to a Kill by Duran Duran. Absolutely. Do you think they were tr- really trying to fill that, the same shoes with this? It's very bit? similar because the, the Duran Duran had more of the. Yeah. yeah. That's, that was Duran Duran, too. Yeah. Um, I love Duran Duran. Whoop. Oh, hit the wrong button there, did you? I did. Okay. I wanted to. I just wanted to kind of get your input on that compared to because every Bond is kind of a product of his own song. It's a product of its own song, and there are certain elements that sometimes this is better than that, or this is better than another movie. No, this song is horrible. Every Bond <laughs> isn't has that their the own name song of the, Isn't that the name of the new Bond movie? Better than another movie. <laughs> <laughs> Bond twenty seven. It does what. There was a it still l- kind of feels timeless while still feeling a touch dated. That's with what they did. There was that sweet spot with Bond songs where they had the overture of the kind of shit in yeah. there and a little bit of the little bit of the guitars, but they kept it because half of it was composed still by John Barry, who did fourteen Bond pictures. Yeah, there you go. That's why. That's who's missing in the next movie. I'm not necessarily focus on that we should play that song because i don't even remember that one the other one yeah, yeah we'll play i, I, we'll I play have it. i have that one set up to pull up too. okay sweet do you have a favorite line or favorite scene uh let's see here <laughs> and i think gang for the first time nathan said he doesn't have a clip i don't have a clip for either of either songs. movie other than the, the song but that's that's different my favorite scene is the seven minute cold open oh okay it's the absurdity of M's desk inside a Hercules airplane instructing the double O's for a training exercise to the live-action skydiving onto the Rock of Gibraltar. <laughs> you know, and then you realize, hey, this is a training exercise. Oh, no, there's other people here that are killing people. <laughs> What's the uh, the thing that the uh, – assuming he's a Spectre agent, I don't think he – Smim Spietko or whatever? It's it a Death Despise. It was a pull from Ian Fleming's old Smirsh. Uh, before they had Spectre, it was called Smirsh in the books. Okay, and it may have been made reference to in the early, early Connery Bond films. It was a it was a death despise, and it was a calling card before they killed someone. And so it was basically, the it was the, of like KGB versus KGB, CIA, and like MI6 the way snipers kind of leave a Ace of Spades yeah. card. Okay, correct. I knew it was something like that, but and it was a cool callback. I really enjoyed that they. No, it was that. fun, but it wasn't explained, and it was just like no, and they it don't... wasn't. It was kind of like, like an inside reference that if unless you are familiar with the books, the books, yeah, you don't know what it is. I know you're going to finish this line for me, so <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say it. My favorite line is "Nothing to declare except the cello, cello, cello." As it echoes, yeah. yeah. I thought that was great when I was a kid. <laughs> it's still funny. Yeah, I like that. That's a, that's one little light bit of a little jokiness that Dalton's yes. Dalton. He has. he was able to provide some lightness to it, but not too much. I think what was fun was him making Bond more human. Sure, and and what I like about that cello bit is it ends that like 
You talked about John McClane in the Die Hard episode uh-huh. where he's like a he's a character in a video game where he starts off with nothing and starts to gather his the things he's going to have for the duration of his campaign or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, th- that scene is the ending of a chase scene where Bond has everything at his disposal and he slowly loses everything. Yeah. And he's down to skiing, sledding down a hill in the Alps in a, or whatever. In a cello, in a cello case. Case. and using the cello itself to steer. Yeah, I thought that. I thought that was funny. I wrote down. I'm like, is he using the cello as a as a rudder? And it's a fucking Stradivarius. Yeah, he's using one of the most would, priceless things on with a bullet hole. <laughs> I think a, it's in some um, museum museum in Europe somewhere right now. That actual For, prop. Yeah, the case and the cello, either huh. in a movie prop. Uh, a museum or something along those lines, or it had been it previously. Uh, I I, I want to go back to Q's um, his uh, the Q branch and his lab uh-huh. for a moment. Uh huh. Okay. I had two comments. I'm like, I put down here. I'm like, when you when you see the new Money Penny for the first time, you notice I was a new Money Penny because yes. uh, I can't remember her name who played the previous Money Penny. That's how horrible I am right now. Penny, Penny Moneyworth. Yeah, she was. Significantly, she looked like your grandma when you're <laughs> just like Bond looked like your grandpa. That's how old they were, and so it was good that they brought in new blood. Oh, okay, yes. But it was interesting when you first see Money Penny and Q is debriefing Bond on some assassins. The large lady on the screen that you uh, hear has a talent of strangulation with either hands or thighs. <laughs> does that sound familiar, though? Well, not large. Does someone else strangulate or cut off the air with? Their thighs. Xena on a top? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> From uh, Goldeneye. Uh, Goldeneye. No I, more foreplay. I, I'm like, I wonder if they kind of just went, oh, let's reuse this. We didn't use it yet. Well, this lady's big. Well, we got someone better. So was that like a worse line? No. There's... <laughs> I have a worse line. I don't know if I had a line in here. It's not really. Did I put it's not that it's bad. It's just that it's kind of Oh, dumb. no. I do have a worse line. I didn't have a favorite line, but I did have a worse line. So what? you go first, or you want me to go? <clears throat> I don't care. You go first, because I'll bet you it's the same first. one. <laughs> you go first. Uh, it's it's uh, Cameron Shaw saying, I'm sorry we missed the concert. We had trouble at the airport. M goes, I can't imagine why. Why? Because they're Arabic? <laughs> I put it like, it's, 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 uh, it's not as much a bad Living line. It, it's not as much a bad line as it's just in bad taste it's, especially now well mine is uh, mine is seven it's like oh, my, i get it he looks like a terrorist that's why he had trouble at the airport well my, getting off the plane mine is on par with that but it's um it's called a ghetto blaster <laughs> that's what i that was one of the other things it's not a ghetto gonna, blaster it's a boom box yeah it is a boom box but q calls it a ghetto blaster <laughs> that's what i put down here i'm like what dates the movie more the ghetto blaster in q's lab and being referred to as a ghetto blaster <laughs> Or Money Penny inviting Bond over to listen to her Barry Manilow collection. <laughs> Good God! On compact disc, 007. The sound it has quality seven extra tracks. The sound quality is amazing. Um, was that point supposed to mean something? Yeah. <laughs> yes, it was. 007. No, I, I, one of the other notes that I found funny. I'm like, everything was fine in this movie until Joe Don Baker showed up. <laughs> he's so he's like uh, and he's used in more than one Bond movie as a different character later. he's in um, he's in Goldeneye and then in I think Tomorrow Never Dies he plays a CIA 
agent. He kind of plays the role of Felix Leiter. I guess they decided not to bring in. He's more like Felix, Felix. Heavier. Yeah. <laughs> this is Felix Fat Ass, my brother. <laughs> I like Joe Don Baker in some stuff, but Mitchell. He's he's a side player, dude. He's not he's not a villain. No. And and he's evidenced by this. Yeah. Uh, one of the other notes I put down here is like, no wonder Necros is killing everyone. He couldn't get, he couldn't find a new tape for his Walkman. He kept hearing that Pretender song. I'm special, special. <laughs> I wish it'd been that song. <laughs> it was kind of interesting how John Barry turned that song into part of the theme of like the score, though. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was unique on his part to do that. I'm not saying that that song is great. It's not bad. It's just overplayed. It's the it's it's the unfortunate playing of like the Jaws theme. You know that the shark is near. Here it's like you hear that the shark is near. (laughs) Necros is near. (laughs) That's when you hear the song. You know that Necros was nearby, or you saw balloons. Is it called Necros's theme? Yes. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) If you had, I don't know, but he loves to have sex with dead people. His code name is Dama. What would you do if you had a magic wand? I want to see. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to say this. You want to see Necro's fucking quarters? (laughs) (laughs) I was starting to turn my next line that I had written down here watching the film uh, into what my magic wand was going to be. I'm like, no, that's not going to work. But I I had down here initially, it's like when I was a kid seeing this in the theater the first time, I swear when Bond pulls off that lady's robe in the hotel room, I thought I swore I saw boobs. Uh, you see, you, like you see some, you real see side, quick, like real at quick the end. No, but boobs. at first you see just a close up of her, like just her head and neck. Yeah. But when I was a kid, I'm like, I saw titties. <laughs> Even though I didn't, I've I seen, thought I, I seen titties. I thought I did. It's amazing what your mind will make you think you saw, and then you go back and you're like, nope, that was just side boob. That's like back and side boob. You saw almost a little bit of a nip, but that was the first time you saw anything close to that. And this was the movie that actually. It was one of the pieces – I may be stealing some of my trivia, but this actually was the first Bond movie that had any type of actual nudity in it, whether it was even partial was her, for a female. Her you saw, butt, right? No, the- no, you saw the two men in Afghanistan. Like They tore open like a some showers or whatever, and uh-huh. like two dudes were like taking a shower, and you saw their bare asses. You see some titty in early and, in a couple of early Connery movies. It's a real quick flash, but you see maybe, titty. Maybe you, you, see, you see some titties. This is uh, two men. This is this two is men. two men that are. Uh, by the time you hear this, over the age of forty, talking about titties, <laughs> talking about titties, and calling them <laughs> titties, like we're twelve. Bond boobies. Um, I don't want to say the obvious and say let Pierce Brosnan have it uh, when he should have. Is this um, your magic wand? Yeah, it's my magic wand. My magic wand. Oh, here I'll go into my magic wand. Okay. I said I, if I'm being, I feel like I'm being a little picky. But honestly, I think I'd tighten up the third act by about 10 to 15 minutes. It, it gets a little Lawrence of Arabia. Uh-huh. It gets a little Lawrence of Arabia. I'm like, once Bond and Kara get shipped off to Afghanistan, it feels like it takes forever for them to get back into that plane for the final you know, showdown. Hurry up. Get to it. There's no need for you guys to have this scene in a hotel room. And, you know, yes, you know that this is – you know, the leader of Al-Qaeda, and he's got a lot of money, the Shah Aram or or whatever, you know. It just get back to wherever it is that you need to go and get on with it. 
It's just it ne- it needed some tightening up. That kind of goes hand in hand with what I was going to say. Like the obvious choice would, would be let Pierce Brosnan have it when he should have. Oh, that would have been fun. Been given the role, but so much younger. But I think it would have worked. But I say truly explore what actually, and they kind of do, but truly explore what actually fucking happened, which is the U.S. and the Russians and their their penis measuring game. Uh-huh. Created a vacuum in the Middle East, right? That's and the vacuum is truly where the Taliban and Al Qaeda started. So Bond is realizing he's having to choose between two evils. Like if you want to really go realistic with it, make Bond have to have the fucking choice. Like, do I should let, I be helping them? Should I, know, I? Yeah, it exactly. was the resistance against it, basically whatever. Comma, uh, what was it? Um, it almost sounds like he says Cameron Shaw, but it's Cameron Shaw. <laughs> uh, whoever it is that he's a leader this of the resistance. This is your loan agent, Cameron Shaw? Yeah. <laughs> he's a leader of a, the resistance that was against um, the Soviets for like 10 years, from like 79 to 89 yeah. or something like that. And that's 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 my larger point. He's is like, Bond, should I be helping these guys? Or helping these guys. And Bond them. realizes he's choosing between the lesser of two evils, which sets up larger story for more accentuating... Circumstances for Mister Bond. That's <laughs> what I what I what the last line I had oh, down on and, here. I'm sorry, and it, oh, would, go ahead. it would set up a villain for like a story arc, kind of like a Blofeld, like the guy that he lets out of prison and he helps right now. The not. it becomes the villain for in the, the he, that would have been interesting. He falls in the next movie, License to Kill, which you would make it a continuation, and then there, make it a trilogy, basically. That way before, been. way before you would do that. He that would be my magic wand. story. Yeah. That's what I would do with a magic wand. My magic wand, when it involved that, I had my last line was like before. I said, get to the point and get to the plane. <laughs> get to the point, Mr. Bond. And then to the final showdown where Necros and, the, and, and then to the redistribution of the pure opium back to the Middle East. Because <laughs> all of that shit just gets littered out back into where it was harvested. Just in bags that look like should be medical supplies. Well, it kind of is medical supplies. Maybe. I mean, eventually... You, you, you ever tried pure opium, Travis? <laughs> no, but... Heroin, yes, but not pure. True story. Anyone... <laughs> uh, <laughs> true story. Back home, once upon a time, um, a buddy of mine and I thought we bought a bar of smokable opium <laughs> from a guy. And uh, it turned out to be opium-flavored incense. <laughs> oh. I didn't know people were so keen on the flavor of opium. I thought you were going to say, I didn't know people were so stupid. Yes, we were. And we smoked, I don't know, a half a pound of this shit before we were like, I'm I don't not feel hi- anything. I'm not high, and I just smell like a fucking hippie. Tastes funny. Yeah. We got our money back. Tastes like chicken. And no one, no one got hurt. Uh, <laughs> yeah, red brick opium is not opium. It's yeah, incense. This was John Barry's last film that he made for Bond. And I feel that Barry always had a way with scoring Bond movies to make them feel grander in scale and scope than they actually were. Sure. And he did that with this one, I feel. There's some bigness to this movie, though. Yes. There is some bigness, and I think that's what was kind of missing. Who scored the... the who, so this... Well, we'll talk about... Who scored the next one? Yeah. Michael Kamen. Oh, yeah. We'll talk about that. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that. Oh, this was my one other question, and then I want to get into some trivia. How much money would you pay to have one of those Jodan Baker lifelike statues? A lot. 
I would. Which one would you want? Mitchell, like Napoleon, maybe, or him as Napoleon was pretty cool. Him or as Genghis, Caesar is kind of him as Genghis Khan was pretty cool. Uh, but him as Caesar with the stupid haircut, yeah, the George Clooney haircut, which is a Caesar haircut, I know, was pretty cool. Um, well, I have a couple questions. Okay, do you think using a Stradivarius to steer a sled would fuck it right out of tune? It might. I mean, I know Stradivarius is supposed to be like one of the most perfect instruments ever, but pretty sure that it would not be perfect after using it to steer the cello. Um, another question I had is how much German chocolate smudge do you think was just stuffed in the handles and surfaces of those carnival rides? <laughs> nine, nine, Augustus, wipe thine hands. <laughs> I'm full of chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot ride the Ferris wheel. Uh,. <laughs> I have here, uh, my joke is, I guess Necros just bought the cassette single of that Pretender song. <laughs> the other side just had the alternate version <laughs> the, the, that was two minutes longer. No, the other oh. side just had the version without the vocal so you can oh. sing along to it. <laughs> Remember those? Oh, yes, I do. I forgot about those. Oh, I had the uh, cassette version of Head Like so a he, Hole. So he had the karaoke version. <laughs> and then karaoke the version that's what yeah. it is <laughs> all right so going forward gang anything we do with any, anytime we do a james bond movie going forward we have a slightly altered uh, we've replaced the play button with a separate category 007 yeah uh, instead of uh, i forget what we replaced it with but we have cause and gadgets cause and gadgets right. you oh it was a uh similar or equal and oh we really right. didn't yeah. have one we you put down something else going your other question was a Bond film I'd rather watch, and I don't know if you did that for this one. But I know you said, I'm writing this one down. And I said, okay, I'll yeah. put it down. Do you want to do trivia and then go into cars yeah. slash gadgets? Let's All right. Do, let's do a little bit of trivia. Uh, apparently, Timothy Dalton was like very high up on the list back in the late 60s before uh, Roger George, George Lazenby took over the role. Really? He thought he was too young, and I guess the producers probably did as well. Cause yeah, because he, like, he was like mid-20s. Yeah, here he seems, well, I mean, he could have been... Mm. Yeah, he felt that Bond needed to be 35 to 40. Okay. And, although okay. what's funny is, is I'm pretty sure that Lazenby was like 28 when they cast him. <laughs> he looked a little older, regardless of whether what you think of that movie, but he did pull himself off to be mid-30s easily. He did. Yeah, he did. It's um, a bit gruff. Uh, apparently, Dalton was also offered the role again in 1983 for Octopussy, and yet again in 85 for A View to a Kill, but had to decline the role both times due to previous commitments. And I would have loved <coughs> to have seen those movies with him in it. Yes. And whether or not they would have been as over-the-top and stupid in some ways. Octopussy probably would have been a little bit better. View to a Kill would have been... Not view to a, a Kill isn't... It's, it's almost a never say never again type Bond it's movie. It's not great. It's not there great. There are very few shining moments in that movie when you realize how old he is in that. Except the theme song. The theme song. Grace the Slick. score is really good Grace in that movie. Slick. Grace Jones. And it's kind of fun to see it set, part of the movie set in uh, San Francisco. But, yeah. That's, I mean, I can one even of those deal things. with Walken, uh, Christopher Watkins, but, man. Low. Low. Mr. Uh, Bond. Yeah, uh, this was the last Bond score, uh, Bond film to be scored by John Barry. Uh, apparently, the casting of the two other uh, agents, the 002 and 004, the ones that pooped their pants <laughs> on the way down to Gibraltar. Schmeert poopka. Um, apparently, both uh, both of the two were cast due to their likenesses of Roger Moore and George Lazenby, if you look close enough. They go by so fast, it's hard to tell. You look like 
How bad are your teeth? <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Perfectly bad. At one point, this film was actually intended to be a prequel. Uh, the film would have... Uh, to the, what? No, they just wanted a... Like an origin story? Kind of like an origin story. Ooh, they they okay. ended up they ended up doing that closer to with Dalton. If you... What Dalton movies... You, uh, not Dalton, I'm sorry. Um, Craig. Craig, okay. Yeah, they kind of rebooted the franchise to a degree. Sure, They sure. wanted... Let's see him get his double O status and start from the beginning. That's what they intended a, to do. In a pure form of like... Metaphoric masturbation gang. I do go back sometimes and listen to uh, older episodes of this podcast and the uh, pick six bond moments is a really good episode. And one of Nathan's picks in that is um, the opening scene to Daniel Craig's Casino Casino Royale. Royale. How did he die? Not well. That's a fucking great scene. (laughs) That's Mm. <clears throat> yeah, at one point, highly recommend. Yeah, at one point, the film was supposed to end with Bond being given his first mission uh, for Doctor No, which would have been kind of interesting. Could have been kind of cool, yeah. But in same in some ways, kind of dumb because where do you go from there? From Russia with love, unless you're going to set it back <laughs> in Russia the '60s. But yeah, it's just weird. Um, this was the first official James Bond film not to feature Lois Maxwell as Miss Moneypenny. Oh, okay, and I said mostly because she looks like your grandma when she's in a view to a kill. <laughs> Christopher Reeve turned down a million-dollar offer by Albert R. Broccoli to play Bond in this film. Terrible choice. Had he accepted... Y'all know Superman, Mr. Bond. He would have been the only American as of 2020 to play the role. Yeah, the, no, Bond has to You know to what be... would have happened? Is if he had gotten this, we would end up with Tony Danza. <laughs> it wasn't, wasn't he a possibility? For of Superman? Re- yeah, yeah, Superman 3. Yeah. Uh, they chose him, and everyone was fucking terrified because he's the boss. He's not Superman. The cello case chase sequence down uh, the side of the hill, down the hill in the snow, took three days to shoot, and apparently the cello was, the cello case was made specifically of fiberglass <clears throat> fitted with a control handle so it could actually fit both of them. And um, okay. Miriam Diabo hated those three days of shooting. That looked like it would be so much fun, man. Yeah, apparently they did not warn her when they set off the um, not firecrackers, but they set off like the squibs. Sh- yeah, the squibs and stuff that were shooting at her and scared her half to death. Didn't warn her about any of them. Well, I guess you get a realistic response with it. What did you think you were going to be doing? She just said it was very difficult for her to control, and the fact that because Timothy Dalton basically weighed twice as much as she did, so she must have weighed not a lot of. Compared to him. She weighed 60 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> 61 when soaking wet. Or full of snow. Or full of chocolate. <laughs> uh, for a while, General Pushkin, John Rhys Davies, uh, was intended to return in License to Kill. And they kind of brought they, they brought him and they brought Joe Don Baker back in Goldeneye as different characters. He played Zukovsky and... Um, Jordan Baker is in Goldeneye. The, um, and he's in something else. But uh, yeah. John Reese davies is in Goldeneye at least. And yes, he is. Stunned by your That's mom. not him. That's Robbie Coltrane. Oh, it is fucking Robbie Coltrane. John Reese John davies is in one of the Pierce's movies, though. Is he? Well, you may have I to look know. it up. I'm, it's not the Stand By Your Man. That, I'm, was Robbie Coltrane. that is Robbie Coltrane. Fuck. I think I'm wrong. I think I'm wrong. I don't. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> I don't like this feeling. <laughs> it features the only deliberate nude scene in the James Bond film franchise. That was one of the other bits. Okay. Deliberately nude outside of the opening titles. 
what you see a lot of, but it's more silhouette. Neon painted nipples. Yeah, that too. That's what I love about Voodoo Kill too. <laughs> Neon painted nipples. I have one weird recasting. Oh, weirder this, than Christopher Reed? Well, not weird. It wouldn't have fit, but I can understand why they were thinking of going with this guy. for the. For, uh, this actor was considered to take over as James Bond, but Albert R. Broccoli turned him down because he wasn't British, but he was Australian. Which is dumb, considering that that's what um, Lazenby George Lazenby was. was. Um, 1987, let me guess. Think about the most hottest shit action star. Oh, Mel Gibson. I'm glad they didn't, because that would have been weird. Well, the enemies would have had to have been Jews. <laughs> Are we, we're going to Israel again, yes. Have you seen... Uh, did you ever watch Ash vs. Evil Dead? I've watched part of it. I have not finished the series. There's a, there's a scene in one of the episodes where he kills a couple people, and then they, they do a harken back shot to uh, Army of Darkness when he kills after he blows Evil Ash away, and he pounds that cross... It's that really cool upshot of okay. Ash pounding that cross into the ground with uh-huh. the shovel, and he's he's doing it twice. And the girl walks up and she goes, <clears throat> "You know they were Jewish, right?" Oh yes, I have. <laughs> I have. It's a great joke. Uh, That's a fun show. It's a fun, very it's a fun. That show. is the bloodiest show I've ever seen. And uh, it was shot. I didn't know it was shot in New Zealand. Yeah, good for them. Yeah, Kiwis love you. Okay, so what else you got? That's it. So let's do car gadgets. Okay, so the return of the Aston Martin. It Uh, is the return. The last time they had it was in 68, 69, whenever Honor Majesty's Secret Service. And that was like, it was 20 years. That was like a muscle version of the Aston Martin, too. It was. Um, Dalton's version is the mid 80s V8 model. Oh, I love it. Uh, it's, it's my it's my absolute favorite it's, Bond car. It's pretty fucking boss. Yeah, if you want to go back and hear me drool about it more, you can listen to our vehicles episode. It actually kind of looks like American it look, muscle. It looks like American muscle. It looks yeah. like late sixties like Ford Mustang, almost like Cobra ish. Yeah. yeah. Um, Fitted with two forward-firing missiles, two laser-cutting emitters, traction-assisting spikes, fucking skis, self-destruct. Um, there's a low gadget. He runs almost too quickly. You're like, oh my god, why are you blowing this car up yeah. so quickly? There's a low gadget count in this movie. Yeah, the He's, other one was a key finder and what universal skeleton key that opens ninety percent of locks, Mister Bond. Uh, it's a universal skeleton key and an explosive key fob. But to, again, that that's that more seventy percent of what you've been expecting out of Bond for the last however many years with this one, and he used it for everything. He he, he, he got he set him he up, got knock his, him down. Yeah, he got his use out of it. Could it be more made by Phillips? <laughs> mm, Phillips, that was a unique thing back in eighty seven, eighty eight. What's that? Um, a key finder that you would whistle and it would locate. Oh it yeah, and you had, that you was had to, kind of new. You had to whistle concept. a certain thing to make. Well, it... you had to hit the right tone for it to chirp back or whatever. I did find it humorous that he had the wolf, 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 wolf. Is it wolf whistle? Is that what it's? Yeah, and then whatever British piece of music I can't remember the name. He said all you have to do is whistle the three tones to. <laughs> Some if he was an American spy, I'd be whistled Dixie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. His car would be the General Lee. <laughs> Actually, his car would be the General Grant. Now. It would be. <laughs> Did you have anything under car slash gadgetry? No, that was pretty much what you wrote is what I kind of had down. Okay. It was just funny that of the time it was, hey, 
here, use these to unlock my handcuffs. And my pants. And, yeah. um, he was very monogamous in this movie. And the next one. We'll talk about that. And it's kind of weird watching it like that now, considering that these movies are men fantasy movies. Sure. And the men sure. fa- the sure. men fantasize about getting laid with all the women. Yep. And this one is, I'll get laid with this one three quarters of the way in. But it means something. But it's special. <laughs> it's special ladies it's not special (laughs) but i made her come i swear (laughs) did you make her come 007 (laughs) oh buckets cute get back in there (laughs) oh gross uh if you could next subject if you could recast this who would you recast i have a fucking good one uh, no, 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 no. When they started recasting Bond after Pierce Brosnan left in 02, I always wanted them to cast Colin Farrell, so I cast Colin Farrell as Bond. What era Colin Farrell? Uh, early 2000s, late 90s. All right. I thought he would have made a great Bond, No, but he may have been a little too young. Actually, now he'd probably be more appropriate because he's mid-40s, and it'd probably work really well, but that was my recasting. I always thought that he would have made... A decent James Bond to me. So, what is yours then? Brian Cox, nineteen eighty-seven, straight off a of Manhunter. Brian Cox, definitely more of the rugged look. Not trim him, trim him down by thirty, forty pounds. Get him a little more svelte. But I don't mind if if he was either. He's should, not an unattractive man. He's just different. He's a. But if you're going for a dark Bond, you're going back to Scotland to get your. But he was. I thought he was Welsh. No, he is Scottish. He's Scottish. He? Yeah. Uh, sorry to all Scots and Welshmen listening. I know that's a, a thing for you. No, please find our ignorance. Your, you mean your ignorance? My ignorance. Uh, please find it endearing. I apologize. Um, that's not a bad choice. I though. think he would. No, be that's fucking, not. A- uh, if you guys don't know who Brian Cox is, he was the he played uh, Hannibal Lecter in the movie Manhunter, which we'll talk about in a couple He's of been weeks. In a million movies. He was Striker in X Men Two. Two. Um, he was the boss in Super Troopers. <laughs> That's right. And he's got that show called is Succession. It Succession, he, yes. Yeah. He's really good in that, too. But, um, but if you want your bond. the age of normal it, bond. Though. If you want your bond intense, like back then. No, that's a good choice. Brian Cox. I think he would have been great. I like your, I like your choice. Does it still hold up? Final thoughts? Is there a bond? To kill Living is, Daylights, well, rather? Well, was there a Bond film you'd rather watch when watching this one? Or did you not really go to that for? Or no, that I, why, or did I, you write that for License to Kill? I just they both start with L. Uh, I enjoy this Bond for what I it is. I enjoy this Bond as well. I think it still holds up as sort of a uh, what might have been, what what could have happened if some circumstances hadn't uh, befallen the world, uh, the entertainment industry, and this franchise. You know specifically. It's not a fun Bond movie. Um, it's fun-ish. Yes. I, I put down yes. here, I'm like, Living Daylights is a great introduction for anyone who wants to see a Timothy Dalton. Don't see the second one. Just see just see Living Daylights. Um, he's cold and calculated. Uh, I think he reigns in everything that was Roger Moore, making him a more serious um, character. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Daniel Craig didn't watch at least this one. This one and go, I can, I can. Okay, do that. I see, yeah. I see. Okay, I see where I, you were yeah. going. Um, the film dances on the borderline of ridiculous, but it never gets too fanciful. It kind of pulls it back. Just it's enough. not, a, it's not a terribly remarkable film. No, no. I think 
though, like we've discussed before, I think it's often overlooked and it's too bad because it's really a good entry into the Bond franchise. It's easily in my top ten. I agree. I don't think it's in my top five, but it's easily in my top ten. Probably I, six or seven. I have written down here, it's a real Wednesday afternoon of a Bond film. It's like it's just like with Superman 3. Not every day is he saving the world from General Zod. He's just foiling a terroristic plot from a... And the plot was a little, a was little, little convoluted. A little convoluted. It's a solid movie. It it could have been a generic eighty spy movie. You mm-hmm. didn't have to put James Bond 007, any of that in it. It could have been it could have been a Bourne movie. It could have been I don't know. Who else was popular? Remo Williams <laughs> in the eighties. <laughs> um, any sort of international international intrigue style movie. Um they, and they tried to get a bit more real with it, and at the time that didn't that shit didn't play. It was a, they weren't ready for a realistic well. We wanted a Superman. We wanted a, a larger, and he still is larger than life in this, but he's less larger than life than we were used to by that he's point. Medium in life. <laughs> <laughs> um, what dorks it now is the actual all. Uh, I'm sorry. What dorks it now is the actual small amount of actual quote Bond stuff that they did leave in, like with the gadgetry and the, which they took note of. I think for Casino Royale when they're like, "What's the Q branch say to him?" Like, "What you were expecting some sort of watch or something yeah. like that." What they take they take the joke and turn it on its head with right. Casino Royale. With this, they just they just play it. They here's your car, and then here's your key finder. Key finder. Key finder. This is the only movie where Q was actually in the field with the rake and the. You know, that's the next movie. That's why I have it as trivia because I did it for the next movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think part we'll of the get reason- into that in the next episode. I How think. I think. <laughs> I think part of the reason Dalton got this job was because he sort of fit the jacket and bow tie. Uh, he looked the part and could kind of play that dark horse kind of bond. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he had the swagger and the sex appeal, and he was a bit closer to the book. For more on James Bond, <laughs> please join us for the second half of this episode right after this trailer. James Bond doesn't push the limits. He blows them away. Timothy Dalton is James Bond 007. Licensed to kill. Rated PG-13. Starts Friday at theaters everywhere. Why do you do yours all slow every time? Well, it, I, the fizz already left because I was prepping it, and I heard it go <laughs> before I pulled it up to the mic. That's the Fizzle, most mist fizzled like this movie. That's the most American sounding James Bond trailer I've ever heard. It's the guy who does all the trailers for. He's done a lot of trailers, and a lot of them are like canon related. I remember that sounded canon esque. <gasps> What if Canon did a James Bond movie? What if they got this a whole... This is like a Canon James Bond movie. <laughs> plus a couple of elements, but yeah. I think you're... This is Miami Vice plus Roadhouse plus Jaws the Revenge. <laughs> <laughs> plus Jaws the Revenge. I never I never put that one together, but... That's, what, was... they did. That's what they decided we wanted to see with Bond 16. Yeah. He drinks a Budweiser, dude. When they go to not the double deuce. Right. Uh, well, here's the funny thing. There's no way that one was imitating the other. It was just of the culture of the time. These movies released within a month of each other. I th- you mean Roadhouse and... Yeah. 
This was a summer release along with Roadhouse. So I feel like I feel, this one made more money. And she's not going to come in today, but I feel like we should have Roadhouse correspondent Jamie Justice. Did she Justice. watch it with you? No. Yeah, she's, she, she's seen it. License to Kill? Mm-hmm. You're like, no, Roadhouse. <laughs> she's definitely seen Roadhouse a time or two. Uh, my first note, I have a, my notes are light with first impressions because I can't remember the first time I actually saw this. I was nine. It didn't interest me. It interested me. It did not interest me. It was the first PG-13 uh, Bond movie. I know that. What made it PG-13? The drawer full you, of no, fishing you, bait? No. What do you think made it PG-13 more than anything else? Mark, uh, Milton Crest's death scene in the decompression tank. Oh, yeah. That was PG-13 worthy more than anything else. It was very violent, but the first thing I wrote down here when watching this was like, this is a horribly stupid opening with some of the worst-looking tuxedos since the early 70s. <laughs> the coattails don't help it either. It's in Florida, dude. Either way. You know how much ball like, sweat is already happening like when you yeah. just wake up normally in Florida? And yeah. then you're going to put on all that foppish shit yeah. to get married? That's dumb. I thought this movie was cool as fuck when I was nine. Like, this was the first... This, and then you aged 30 years and Well, said, no, in my memory, this, again? this was the first James Bond movie that came out new in theaters that I remember as like a... Uh, auto- I kind of like James Bond. Autonomous adult. Like, right. I had... You know, I had thoughts of my own when this came out. And one of those thoughts was that uh, New Kids on the Block was cool. So that... Did you hear the crickets? <laughs> Oddly enough, this isn't the point where the computer dies today. Uh, (laughs) That Gladys Knight song, though, is a fucking thumper. It's very James Bondy. It's very I, like oh yeah. It's very like Goldfinger, Shirley Bassey. Kinda. But then you hear the rest of the music in the movie, and you're like, and it's a little like, a, weren't you on the Beverly Hills Cop soundtrack? No, last year, <laughs> Gladys Knight. <laughs> no, that was I, Patty the Bell. <laughs> either way, it's a great fucking. Tune. No, it's a great song. I it's, love the song. It makes me think the movie is better than it it's is. It's going to be way better than it ends up being, yes. That's exactly what I was going to say. You see the shitty opening, and then you're like, all right, maybe this is where it starts. This is where it gets good. And then it's all downhill. And it's, uh, Cuba? What? Cuba. Okay, so we're in Florida, and then we're, we need to get you to Cuba. Was he like in, no, he wasn't in Guantanamo. He was still in Florida somewhere because where he gets uh, broken out of Fort Lauderdale. He was somewhere in the Keys because they're flying, they're driving over the uh, the highway down to oh, the, the Keys. the causeway? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then what's his name from Twin Peaks? Takes money. and uh, Oh, his, uh, um, also Silver Bullet. He's the, the wolf. Wolf. The wolf preacher with the eye patch and silver bullet. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he takes um, the bribe. That son of a bitch. <sighs> There's a lot going on in this movie. There's a lot. I'm going to go. Yeah, I'll right tell you one thing. This is a simpler plot. It's easy to tell. What is it? Well, it's an episode of Miami Vice. Yeah, they <laughs> they almost kill Felix and they kill his wife. <laughs> 
and and Bond gets pissed and goes on revenge. And they let, but they didn't. They don't kill Felix. They just let a, a, a I almost said a fox for whatever reason, a shark like chew on him for a little bit. Well, that was taken from Live and Let Die. Oh, was that really like a thing in the? That's what happened to Felix in Live and Let Die. It was like the second book. That's what happened to him. And the note left on him going, he disagreed with something that ate him. That was directly lifted from okay. uh, the book. I thought that was creative in that manner. I, I figured that Felix would have been dead. Instead, he, should he lost a leg. I think in the book, he lost a leg and an arm. Did he ever find him again? No. Damn. It's going to be hard to fill out paperwork and chase criminals. Um, he gave his arm and his leg <laughs> sorry about that breathing gang yeah, sorry a lot doesn't work in this movie are we just gonna go right there I'm just, that's my next sure. thing man I have five things do you wanna go or do you want me to go were all the good American villain actors busy <laughs> that year I don't mind Robert Davi in this movie there's we have okay you call him Robert Davi I call him not De Niro um, I call the Pot other guy. Face. I call the other guy sort of John Voight, and I call the guy the Wolf, wolf from Silver Bullet. Wolf, wolf. <laughs> you forget about Benicio del Toro, though. He's okay. He is radically criminally underused. He does oh, almost that's nothing. The in other this. thing I have in this, he is smiles that he's very and makes weird eye like raises his eyebrows and like looks menacing, and he pulls his knife in that weird way. Yeah, and that's all he does. He is wasted in this movie. And yeah, not he's in, well underused. Way, way, way underused. He could have just been the fucking villain. Do away with not De Niro and not just have it, be, have it be Del Toro. I think it was funny because I was watching, I think Lisa came in for the last half and goes, <laughs> did she he's do, not Mexican. Did she do he's that? he's did she Italian. Do, did she do that thing too where she went, <laughs> just like you did? Well, I asked her if she wanted to watch either, and she's like, eh, you can start either. Is he Italian, Del Toro? Uh, No. um, Davi. Davi. Yeah, not De Niro. Not De Niro. Gotcha. Robert Davi. And I I don't, he's one of the things that I don't hate about this movie. He's what I hate. He's just a Miami Vice villain, dude. I think. I mean, it was 88, and we're we're in the midst of like the crack epidemic in America, or. Yeah. You know. I think that uh, with Robert Davi, I think he's good as a villain. As the drug lord Sanchez, I think he's brutal and he's sadistic and he's vengeful. Correct. He's a vengeful egomaniac. In an episode of Miami and he's Vice. A, yes, and he's exactly the guy that you want James Bond to take down, but it's not the right movie. It's That's just, not a real Bond right. villain. It's not a real Bond villain, dude. A, a drug dealer? Bond, or, Bond villains yeah. are supposed to be larger than life, dude. Drug dealers exist. Like, again, I said it with Living Daylights. Bond villains are best when they're sexually ambiguous Europeans. Correct. Or they could be sexually ambiguous, I guess, Central Americans. I don't care. But this guy has a clear-cut goal, and it's just to sell drugs and wipe out his competition. It's not It's not Bond. It's too pulled-from-the-headlines Bond. You know what I mean? Right. I don't like oh, it. Oh, no. That, that's, I'll, I'll, we'll go into what doesn't work for me, and okay. we'll address that. Okay. Uh, the first one is, why bring David Hedison back to play Felix, who hasn't been in a James Bond movie since Live and Let Die in 1973? Mm-hmm. Um, rather than keeping the continuity and using the guy from The Living Daylights, why not, why not do that? Also, Felix seems to have gotten over uh, the death of his bride real quick at the end of the movie. Seems awfully amped. I don't know why I nodded at you like but people can see me nod. Next time I'm going, I'm nodding. <laughs> this isn't, yeah. I'm nautical. I'm not. 
the f- number two, the film lacks the level of charisma and charm the previous Bond film normally possesses. Instead, it plays like a bad eighties action movie and then it leads into three where it's uh where i put like it almost as if michael g wilson who has been the recent producer of several movies and is the current producer of most bond movies now and screenwriter richard maybaum sat down one night and made a list of the most stereotypical 80s themes like cocaine drug cartels ninjas televangelism and michael Kamen's score and then decided to write a bond movie around those plot elements one thing that doesn't work for me too is they've tried to give bond any kind of real connection to another person it was either his wife or his wife or, or in this case felix yeah and it just a felix that was from a bond that a bond and a half here. ago yeah yeah it doesn't bond doesn't have connections with they're playing on the they're playing on the strengths of the audience to go, oh, that's the Felix from way back in 73. Well, no, they're, they're, playing, they're, they're hoping the audience is going to go, oh, his bro got totally fucking wiped out. And <laughs> Bond doesn't have those connections with people. That's what makes him Bond. He is a soulless – he's a shark. Bond is a shark. I get it. Like, I get where he'll, you- he'll, he'll shack up with a woman. He might even – cop a couple of feelings but or cop a couple of feels yeah (laughs) but nah baby i gotta go i got more important more fun shit to do like saddling him with a wife in ohms Mm -hmm. s s s s s -S. and then briefly reminding us of it with you got to get to that point and the problem is is they try to rely on that and when you change bonds just let that shit go in True. my opinion. True. You change the actor, don't try to play that he had a past with a different actor if you're that gonna, was married at if, one point. If you're going to have a story arc, that Bond needs, needs to, to start, be have his own, own arc. Yeah. Right. And I at would, least they're I, doing that with Craig. You I know? agree. I, I, I love them for that. Yeah. Um, Giving him interpersonal relationships with people just typically doesn't work because he's not built for that. The character isn't built for that. He's... And Almost one dimensional. He has regard. to be. He has to have his own arc in his own series, and don't play. Oh, you, honey, he was married once. <laughs> two yes. actors ago. Two actors ago. Two decades ago. <laughs> does anybody remember that? Oh, let's make reference to that once more. Oh, honey, he was married once. Uh, the fourth one is the film comes off as too American for a James Bond movie. Oh, yeah, it, even more so than Diamonds Are Forever. <laughs> And the last one is popping a wheelie with a big rig truck uh, in this dark as fuck Bond movie is the equivalent to the slide whistle played over the incredible uh, bridge jump barrel roll in The Man with the Golden Gun. (laughs) Ever heard of Evil Knievel? <laughs> if they're going for gritty and realistic, then why do that? I can almost believe the tanker lifted up on, and drove on one side. Someone actually someone actually did that. That was a stunt. That's badass. But trucks just don't do this. No, that was a special rig. Yeah, that weighed like five thousand tons, I think, or something. That's there. a lot. A, a, you might want to check your math on that. But five uh, tons. There you go. Five. <laughs> tons it was a lot five, five thousand tons it's like a million pounds that truck wasn't moving because it weighed five thousand <laughs> defies tons. the laws of gravity nathan <laughs> <laughs> let me go real quick so <clears throat> we run down to the uh 
if you guys are from Middle Tennessee, we're, we run down to the Mapco. If you're from, I don't know, the East Coast and or like Southeast Coast, we run down to the Wawa. Uh, we run to the gas station is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. We, we get ourselves a 55-gallon drum of, uh, of gasoline. And what we do is we add the cocaine to that. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. Gotcha. Okay. So we, then we dis- but we dissolve it into the gasoline. Okay. Then we put that in the vehicles and ship it like it's like it's Just, raw petroleum. Yeah. You get the gas for free though. Isn't that what it, one of the stupid and jokes? Then, but but how, keep the gas as a bonus. But you 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 science process it and you get the cocaine back out and then you get the free gas. Isn't gasoline more valuable than cocaine these days? Uh, it might be. I don't know. <laughs> I ride a bicycle. Did you notice that both Johnsons from Die Hard were in this movie? <laughs> no. He, he's a DEA agent towards the beginning of the movie. The, I was in high school, well, you, you fucking dickhead. dickhead. That's that Johnson. And then obviously Robert Davi is the other Johnson. But yeah, both Johnsons from Die Hard were in this film. <laughs> That's, I did not get that. That's awesome. Do you think they high-fived and did like, Davi, you son I'm of a, a bitch. bitch. <laughs> That'd be so good if they did. We're Backstage. not related. We're not related. Um, I also found it odd. Now, I know in your trivia, I'm sure it may or may not be in here, mm-hmm. but you do know what the original title was for the film, correct? Or no? I believe it was... It was License Revoked, which yes, isn't I, I bad. Do, I do have it's that. It's not bad. It sounds classier than this movie uh, is. Yeah, um... If his license was revoked, it makes sense. Why call it license to kill since he's technically not allowed to kill people? When not on American soil. Yeah, not on... <laughs> Listen, buddy. You come here. That's it. You come here. <laughs> I tap on my chair. I tap on my chair. You get off my porch. Put that your, gun away. With your onion jack flag. Put your onion jack. Beat it. Your Walther P- 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 K. K. Pee-pee. He's got, got a pee-pee, pee-pee gun. gun. <laughs> Beat it, Onion Jack. Onion Jack. <laughs> Do you have a favorite line or a favorite scene for this movie? I really don't have a favorite scene, but my favorite line was Q after, um, I think her name was Pam, the uh, CEA agent that... CEA? CEA. D- it was DEA. Was she a talent scout? DEA and CIA combined, so she was a CEA. Cocaine enforcement agent. Right. <laughs> she gets pissed when he finds out that he's been banging other broads, and, go, and Q goes, look, don't judge him too harshly, my dear. Field operatives must often use every means at their disposal to achieve their objectives, oh. including their penis. <laughs> that wasn't in there, but... I, my That's the one said. part of his body that isn't government issue. <laughs> It's not part of Her Majesty's empire. But it is kind of funny that Q actually comes to his defense that sure, well, if sure. he's got he's to use every weapon, including what's hanging between his legs. <laughs> why did you make the, I don't why know why you made Q. Why did you make Q potato sack all of a sudden? <laughs> that was kind of fun in this movie. Is the fact that he actually played a supporting character? In this yeah, film. it was it was kind of fun, and he yeah, kinda like, because pretty much I would think that Q would have been fired if he went out and went rogue, went rogue to Panama. Uh, Panama. And, you think? And here's all the things. Picture, I, I just pictured here's Q all sing- the things I was able to lift from my lab before they fired my ass. I just pictured Q singing "Panama" by Van Halen. Panama. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Panama. 
So what did you bring? Well, <laughs> let me open this up. I have an explosive alarm clock. Yeah, I don't think I can use that. Um, plastic explosives disguised as toothpaste. Always. Always. And then a Polaroid that shoots a laser and takes an x-ray picture. How much longer after this? And one? then a large caliber rifle disguised as, a large caliber rifle disguised as a camera. It's called a Zapruder gun. <laughs> um, how long after this was... <laughs> <laughs> How long after this movie was a Polaroid like viable, like a thing? Mm, uh, at least six more months. Remember in the late nineties when Polaroid tried to make that Polaroid Mini, and it would do yes. like inst- it was weird. It was very weird. Sounds dumb. Um, I don't have a worst line. I don't have a favorite line. I have a worst line. I don't. I don't have a favorite line. Which That's okay. I. I mean, it's. Rare. I guess you, I like, usually you'll. Pull I usually up something. pull something, but I, I like the truck scene at the end i remember that from when i was a kid like james bond got badass like he's like an american trucker now <laughs> i thought that was kind of a fun scene i get it there's a lot of real stunts that were used this was the- a stunt movie it was a stunt movie yeah i heard of evil knievel uh, my worst line is james bond says it's a tough business you picked miss bouvier Leave it to the professionals. And Pam says, Look, pal, I was an army pilot. I have flown to the toughest hellholes in South America, and I will not have you lecture me about professionalism. Uh, I don't hate that line. It's just it's, it's a little... The, the delivery is what yeah, bothers the delivery me. is bad. I think the delivery is what bothers She was me really hot. Like, some chicks can't... She got hotter when she, she cut her hair. Yeah, boy. Some chicks... I'm sorry. Some women, women, he's sexist. Are not a sexist at all. Uh, I love both sexes equally, um, in a friendly kind of way. <laughs> uh, yeah, she just she can pull that short hair cut. Uh, and the um, the the following money penny did that in uh, I believe the second Brosnan movie. Yes, I think you're right. Not second to completely third. just reduce these women. Well, to their, second or third, but yeah, yeah. Not to reduce these women to their personal or physical their appearance, hair. but their, I mean, short hair, don't care. Rock it. <laughs> um, the worst line for me was, I don't have a worst line, uh, but I have a worst gag. And it's the guy that gets rail killed into the electric eel tank and gets like super fucking electrocuted. Oh yeah, it's, I forgot it. Oh, with the big sticker that says "Electric Eel," electric like it's a fucking eel episode of warning. the '60s Batman episode. Warning, warning. <laughs> uh, if you had a magic wand for this, we're, I mean, we're just double o sevening right through this. But I have. If I had a magic wand, well, it's probably not yours. You're getting excited, like you're thinking I'm going in your direction. I wanted more Felix Lighter. Did you? Okay, well, you let me let me first. finish, and then you say your thing. All right, I just uh, I feel like <laughs> if if um, th- I think the audience would have been more invested with the character and developing more of a relationship rather than just dropping him into a shark tank. <laughs> Fifteen minutes into the film, two years after give Jaws, him, the revenge give him happened. a few more scenes. Let them have a few minutes of just talking. If you're going to make Bond be vengeful, sure, you know, sure. You need to develop that in the film, and I don't think that was ever created. It never came to fruition, and I think that if... No, it feels weird. If Felix had been there, and had been the different Felix, not the one from Roger Moore's movies, 
I guess the only way they would have felt for him is because people had seen him before, even though they'd used three different Felixes since then. I don't know. It's I don't dumb. even mind it being that Felix because right. mine. I don't mind that Felix, but I feel give him more, give him a little more. So that's my magic wand. Mine is instead of being a C minus Bond film, it's a backdoor pilot to a new film series. Felix Leiter of the FBI. He's an aging FBI agent. Just turned 50. He's on his second marriage. He's rowdy, rompy, and ready for fun. (laughs) He's ready to kick some ass. With the one leg that he's got With left. With the one leg that he's got left. <laughs> he's about 70 pounds lighter. He's Felix. Felix Lighter. Felix Lighter of the FBI. <laughs> he's ready for fun. Bad guys are on the run. He's Felix. Felix Lighter of the FBI. <laughs> he's got his FBI on you. Oh, God. <laughs> you know he was CIA, right? Shut up. It's my joke, fucker. <laughs> It's like a, it's like a kind of like a comedy series, not like Naked Gun esque, but he. Uh, it's very lighthearted. It's lighthearted. He's he's trying Despite to. Despite your music, is lighthearted. He's trying to come to grips with his age. Like he tries to play basketball with the new recruits, but like gets he can't wind- dribble because he's. Well, he gets winded real fast. <laughs> and has to, All right, guys. Oh, Uncle Felix has to tap out. And dyes his hair. Tries to pretend like he likes the new Faith No More record. He keeps popping the ball with his hook because he's only. <laughs> they call him Felix Hooker. <laughs> every so often in an episode, oh. um, every so often Bond turns up in an episode and like adds a little oomph. Yeah, to that episode or that movie. It's, it's kind of interesting too because there's a comic book series that that that's my magic wand that picked up the mantle of Bond and kind of gave him a restart as well, which is not bad. <clears throat> Excuse me, but um, they also had a Felix Leiter limited series, and he was that that he, was that that was, series you showed me that was uh, I may have it was digital only or something. Uh, I don't know if it was digital only, but I had it on digital, okay. and he had. Of course, with, you know, it's any comic book, It's they have magic wand. and like, oh, we'll just give you an animatronic arm and a new animatronic uh, animatronic leg. So they, they took they, over from yeah. this. Okay, that's cool. So, that's cool. And so that's what they kind of reminded me of is that there's, there was a limited series that had Felix and his, he's got a, he's a robot arm and a replacement leg that <clears throat> came about from his accident from the initial series from Live and Let Die. That's not bad. Mine is like a... Late eighties, early nineties, primetime cop comedy drama. Which time slot? Is it a little risque? Eight to nine. Eight to nine. Not nine to ten. Or you the... won't see any boobs, but you'll definitely see like Stephanie Powers. Like okay. she'll she'll have a towel around her boobs. Right. She okay. will be implied that she was nude, but you won't see any. No, there's no Dennis Franz hairy butt cheeks or anything like that. <laughs> little risque. Yeah. Like like the A team. It's like the eighteen, but a little more sane elsewhere. Gotcha. Like okay. a little, little more humor. That's All my right. magic wand. <laughs> so you couldn't, you couldn't recast this, huh? Ah, uh, yeah. I admitted that before we started recording. I either left it blank and was going to fill it in, and then I just gave up. So I felt uninspired. Idris Elba. Oh. Two thousand two, The Wire. Idris Elba. I want Idris Elba to play James Bond so fucking badly. So do I, but it'll never happen. He's too old now. He's too old now. 
He could. Play, I would he, still. Oh, I would still watch it. The he could play it, old though. Bond. He could play like old <sighs> Bond, so handing the torch so off to the new guy. Or uh, you, I think you and my mom had some weird Facebook conversation about Pierce Brosnan coming back as Bond, but he'd have like to be old. He'd have to be. I'm like, just, I'd watch that. That'd be badass yeah, with dude. his beard and everything. Yeah, be a total break from format, but it'd be kind of cool. Maybe he's um, just a PI <laughs> now. One of my favorite things is just a <laughs> double OPI. Um, in that scene where M was like, I require you to hand over your gun. It would have been so much better if Bond would have been like, it's okay. I'm in America, dude. I can get him at a fucking gas station yeah. around the corner. We're in Florida. You know that, right? <laughs> We're in Florida, dude. <laughs> These shits wash up on the fucking beach every hour. <laughs> okay, that here no you go. And the shit that washes up on the beach here every hour has more kick than my PPK. Fuck out of here. <laughs> Smirka. Fuck yeah! <laughs> so yeah, my recasting would be Bond. Uh, I would be 2002 Idris Elba. Um, Sanchez, I would do Del Toro now. Oh, yeah. yeah. All right. Lupe? He's like, she's so young in this movie. Dude, I didn't even know I he... I swear he's like 17 in yeah, this movie. Yeah, I mean, he may not be, but it seems like... He's he's like underaged and underused. <laughs> that's that's like, like that's like a new Bond movie. Is it's not a porn parody. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's in the other section of the video store. <laughs> it's behind the curtain, underaged and underused. You um, <laughs> for Lupe, I would use 1995 J Lo. Okay, uh, and for Pam Bouvier, I would use Courtney Thorne Smith. Why'd you throw that name around? And that probably has something to do with next week. And I was probably, <laughs> I was probably piggybacking a couple of movies on a Sunday, and we'll talk about that later. But no, Cor- those are those are all good choices. Though. Cor- uh, the, the woman that plays Pam has a, a similar well, and um, Courtney Thorne Smith plays a chick named Pam in the next movie. Oh, that's weird. You're right. She but they have a similar um, they have similar facial structure, similar cheekbones, um, and I always like Courtney Thorne Smith. But the the lady that plays Pam, she's she's very gorgeous mm-hmm. in this movie. Yeah, she's very sexy in this movie. Um, Once she cuts her hair, especially so. It almost looks like she's wearing a wig. It's a wig. Okay, it which is? brings me to trivia. Oh, perfect. <laughs> I almost that's something that just popped into my head. I'm like, her hair never looks right when it's long, and so yeah, it I is know. a wig. Now I know why. Um, they did it because she just kind of seemed a little more striking, a little more. <sighs> With with the a wig? short hair, yeah. Oh. Without the wig, <laughs> with short hair. Um, we mentioned it in the earlier episode, but Dalton's Bond is a lot more sexually chaste because of the AIDS epidemic. Oh, all right, yeah. Um, that's what I thought. The scene where Bond uh, resigns and says farewell to arms, <laughs> while it's kind of a dumb line, it actually had some weight to it because they were filming it in Ernest Hemingway's house. Oh, who wrote? I didn't know that. Farewell to arms, yeah. Should have wrote a song <coughs> called "Farewell to Legs" and dedicated it to Felix Leiter. Ah, no more basketball, Felix. Um, this movie suffered budget restraints. Do you know? I know you know why. It was sh- well. This movie was, suffered from budget restraints because they were still paying off the debt that they incurred during Moonraker a decade earlier. <laughs> no, I didn't know that. Yeah. So they were. Yeah. I knew that the budget was smaller than the Living Daylights, and I felt that odd considering usually every time they go to the next movie it's bigger yeah and this one was like i don't know six or eight million less than previous um this is the last bond film decor uh, decorated directed by john glenn he feels that this is his best movie out of all the five that he directed Whoa. he directed five in a row so if you go back or go forward it was the spy who loved me no not the spy who loved me excuse me uh, for your eyes only and then octopussy View to a Kill, Living Daylights, and... 
I would say Spy Who Loved Me would be the best one. Out of Not those. Spy Who Loved Me. It was, um, I mentioned that incorrectly. Okay. It was For Your Eyes Only. Still better than this. Yeah. That's one with the underwater. That's Jaws, right? Jaws is the second one. No. <laughs> been a minute. It has been a minute. But either way, I don't think this is his best one, but he always thought it was. He felt felt it was his most grounded Bond movie. No. Which is well, it's his most grounded. It's just okay. not it's not his well, best one. You we you've mentioned it earlier. This is the uh first PG thirteen Bond. This is uh the note he disagreed with something that ate him is from the the novel Live and Let Die. Um <laughs> This is the only time to date, uh, as of 2020, <clears throat> excuse me, that Bond has ordered Budweiser. Um, because. When you say Budweiser, you've said it all. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not trivia, but they, they swapped out um, the main villain having a cat, and he has an iguana in this. Just something I noticed. Okay. He, he kind of pets it, but. Uh, it's also an iguana. so It's also an iguana, which is a, a Central American cat, if you didn't know. No car in this. There's no there's no Bond mobile. Well, yeah, when I wrote down cars mo- and gadgets, some- it, the gadgets were underused with this one. Yeah, not a lot. So instead of, uh, and that's really all I had for trivia, um, <laughs> instead of car slash gadgets for a category in this one, I have a Bond film I'd rather watch. That's what it was. Okay. And I, I thought it was for both movies, and so it threw me off. And I chose Casino Royale. Uh, I chose Live and Let Die. Okay. I, I put down here, I'm like, with all the stupid shit in this movie, I'd rather be watching Live and Let Die. Give me a younger Felix and a Roger Moore just learning how to be James Bond while also being influenced by black exploitation films. Because <laughs> that's pretty much Live and Let Die. And I, uh, What, a black exploitation film? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, is that the, the notes from the... What's missing is just cat barf. Yes. I've you're so, missing the cover on that one. And this is literally the center <clears throat> 18 pages of a It's. I know you're having a hard time holding it together because it's, it's like it's missing its binding. I refuse to waste paper, so I'm going to use this one. Until the cat pukes on this. Too. Get ready for it, gang. The rest of the season is going to be just me and loose leaf, moleskin <laughs> notebook, whatever the fuck it is. Those are two different things. Still hold up. Final thoughts? Um, I think in a lot of ways they tried to make this the anti-Bond Bond movie. Yeah, I think that's where it failed, too, because of that. Uh, I I don't, I have down here, I'm like, I tend to enjoy Bond movies where he's actually on assignment rather than going Goes rogue. off script? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Rogue isn't necessarily a bad motivation for your character, but I just feel that... This, this version of it is not. Is not. Yeah. Um, it's darker and grittier than most Bond movies. I'll, I'll give them that. Uh, but this is something that I didn't want as a 13-year-old when this came out. Uh, I wanted more adventure, not vendetta. Mm-hmm. I, I still really don't want it now. The only thing that really like sim- is cemented in my brain is the when he kills Milton Crest in the decompression tank. That still bothers who, me. Who buys it in the tank with all the fucking fishing lures? Uh henchman i don't know is it just a henchman no nobody's significant Uh, his family thought he was significant man i think i think john glenn who directed like you said directed five films and this was his last one it was it was his chance to make his the first serious bond film and while he succeeded in it being more serious 
at least in parts, I, I feel the film suffers as a whole, and it really comes off as a misfire. I just there's, n- it's not as good as it could have been. Your pistol is wet, Mister Bond. Bond. <laughs> um, I feel like they kind of cobbled together some stuff from different stories to make a, a Bond movie in a time when Bond's role in the world was uncertain because late 80s, early 90s, the Soviet Union was crumbling. Yeah, in 89, it had not fallen apart completely yet, but it was on its way. It was toppling. Living Daylights was the last movie that involved the Cold War. I mean, arguably, if you consider, like, Cuban drug... Yeah, yeah, the Cold War at large. It's, it, uh, so instead, it involved America's war on drugs. Which... <laughs> yep. Um, there's some cool locations away. and some some decent gadgets in this. And I feel like the casino time was kind of wedged in. Yeah. Just to, for him to say, you know, Bond, James Bond. Well, and I feel like the martini shaking, not jacket not off, stirred. jacket off, don't spin it around. Um, a dying Cold War, increasing empowerment of women, a global AIDS epidemic, bad timing, and a lack of story make this one of the bottom five Bond movies out there. That said, there are some high points, which I will now enumerate for you. <laughs> Pam Bouvier. <laughs> Dalton is still a good Bond. He's dark, dashing, devil may care. Michael Kamen's score is actually subtle. It feels like the Bond stuff is wedged in there, though. But it's a, but Michael Kamen, but... for his part, is, his score is solid. Yeah. I like what he did. Um, anytime Q is around is always a good time. And women, in my opinion anyway, women being less of an object and more of a contemporary is rare but a welcome change correct in this universe i said it earlier dalton got the shaft during his tenure as bond and while he got the shaft i think it might be interesting for him to reprise the role or shut come your mouth to, <laughs> <laughs> i'm not sure how they could bring him back if, if it might be a little too tongue-in-cheek i don't know but i just i feel like he got shit on and i'd like him to make his peace with it if, yeah i'm sure he has i mean um yeah timothy if you're out there listening let us know if you've moved past this <laughs> um Oh yeah, kind of like we were talking about earlier. Like, like an idea for that might be like the new 007, because it's kind of an established fan theory now that 007 and the name James Bond transfer from one guy to the next guy to the as the job goes. So it might be the new guy goes to see the quote unquote old man. The only maybe 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 Dalton's Bond is the only surviving Bond. They've all died or been assassinated as something to do with their their tenure, right? In the in the position. But, like, I don't know, whoever's going to be Bond next, he goes back to see the old man, and it ends up being Dalton's Bond, and he gives him some sort of advice. Like, I don't know, maybe something even kind of so funny as to... Sleep with more women. <laughs> or don't <clears throat> don't take the job too seriously, yeah. or something like that. You <laughs> right. Know? Um, see the lighter... I don't know, see the lighter side of life. This like isn't that. toothpaste. <laughs> <laughs> it's plastic. <laughs> um, also, no, it doesn't hold up. So... <laughs> that is our... Uh, that is our yeah. That's that's yep yep uh, yep yep yep. That's our bond. Um, do you want to do a chaser? I do. What, if we did another James Bond super special, what would we do? Would you want to pick like your my favorite, favorite and your favorite, my favorite and your favorite? That could be fun in a couple of years when maybe you might have. A new we've doubt. already talked about my favorite, haven't we? Did we? Diamonds we've, are forever. That's not your favorite, is it? No, Thunderball's my favorite. That's what I thought. Do Thunderball and Never Say Never Again. <laughs> I'd be willing. I'd, that'd be kind of fun. Could be. 
I don't know. It's two movies talking. <laughs> we'll do. We'll same, do. It's like the same plot yet different at the same time. Yeah. I don't know. We'll do another Bond eventually. Another Bond. Maybe a couple years, but we'll have to find an interesting way to do it because there's mm-hmm. so many. There's Bond, too many Bond casts out yeah. there. Anyway, would you like to do a chaser? Yeah. Here you go. All right. So. <clears throat> what movie from your childhood or youth? Will you be sure to introduce to your nieces or nephews? Assuming we don't have children. And we don't. And I can't really introduce my movies to my dogs. I can answer this first if you need a minute. I know what I want to introduce. We're going to... We'll talk about it later. Okay. This season. Okay. I would introduce Goonies. Okay. When they're at the right age. I was going to say, at what age? Because I feel... At what age? If they're between the ages of 8 and 13, I think that's... Okay. I actually did introduce my niece and nephew to one of my favorite movies. Stand By Me. No. Uh, I introduced them to two of my favorite things. Roadhouse. Uh, Do what? (laughs) Roadhouse. No. Um, I introduced them to Batman 67. (laughs) <laughs> okay. And when their parents came to pick them up the following day or the that Sunday or whatever, um, I remember my nephew said, Dad, Uncle Travis showed us a Batman movie, and it has, like, the real Batman in it. <laughs> you got it in there, huh? I did. I got it in there. You made sure so he knew happy. that Adam West was the real, the, the real Batman. Batman. And then I introduced him to the, um, the Tim's television show, Danger Mouse. God, it's been so long since my I nephew. Danger I'm not Mouse. kidding you. He stayed up all night watching Danger Mouse. It was and the next time they came over, they were like, "Uncle Travis, can we watch Danger Mouse?" And I was like, "You bet you can. Let's watch Danger Mouse, kids. Here we go. Let's sit down. Let's watch. Let's crack open a soda. <laughs> Yo- watch some Danger here's, Mouse. Here's some yogurt, you guys. This is Uncle Travis juice. You can't have that. <laughs> that would that would be mine. Batman '67, which I bring up a lot. Uh, and I don't mean to bring it up a lot, but it clearly it means a lot to me. Apparently. So uh, that's what I introduced to my niece and nephew. Next week, gang, we are headed back to school. Yeah, we are going back to school. But not back to school, literally. Or, or back to the future. Rodney. <laughs> what? Yes, we're not heading back to Rodney. <laughs> Rodney Dangerfield. Got a couple high school... school off 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 the beaten path in my opinion high school movies mm-hmm. three o'clock high and summer school it's gonna be a fun episode they're both 87 movies too one were made. they 87 yeah okay fun one made more than the other we know that much yeah, yeah. um we'll be back next week for that uh, in the meantime hit us up on social media nathan where can they find us on Instagram? Uh, at Six Pack Double Feature. We are Six Pack Double Feature Podcast on Facebook. If you want to get us a chaser question, if you want to get in on the pick six action, fuck it, send her both email for both. It's Lisa.sixpack at gmail.com. She'll pass anything <laughs> She'll pass it along. Anything not relevant, um, she will pass along. Uh, buy a t shirt, buy a sticker, we've got them. T shirts eight dollars plus shipping. Stickers, $2 plus shipping. Actually, $2 shipped. You buy a t-shirt, you'll get a sticker. You get a free sticker, gang. What else? Got a website? What do we do on the website, Nathan? As far as I know, it just shows the metrics of how many people download our episodes. Now, that's through the regular (laughs) podcast website. And you can also find us at sixpackdoublefeature.com or sixpackdoublefeaturepodcast.com.
Facebook.com. I had to register the other one once you gave out one that I hadn't had registered yet. So they're both. They'll both take you to the same site. Um, if you drink Narragansett, drink Narragansett responsibly. <laughs> Since it is the official, unofficial beer of six-pack beer double feature. Beer of six-pack double feature. Um, be excellent to each other out there. It's a weird world. And no matter what you do, gang, make sure stay off the moors. Six Pack Double Feature is a Clopec Media production. You can like and follow them on Facebook at Six Pack Double Feature Podcast and on Instagram at Six Pack Double Feature. They aren't on Twitter because Twitter is dumb. Nobody knocks off an old man in my neighborhood and gets away with it. <laughs>